0: Thank you. I've always struggled to describe to people what exactly it is that I do. My, um, my background is in fine arts, so I studied um, uh, sculpture uh, 20 years ago. And when I graduated, I kind of continued my um, uh, approach as, uh, as a, um, an artist into other areas. Um, the, the initial point of all the stuff that I do is observation and um, these days it tends to be on a um, urban scale, so um, depending on who I'm talking to I might describe myself as a historian or even sometimes as an archaeologist. What I mean by archaeology is the, uh, um, the sense of uh, traces of the past, of looking and analyzing visible evidence of uh, uh, um, how we used to live I think we can do this on many contexts, and what I like to be able to do is to move from a very large scale, so from a city-wide scale, down to um, something much, much smaller, uh, which might be a design element that might just be a, 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 a letter, um, or even a part of a letter, a serif of a letter, um, and everything else in, in between. Um, later on in the presentation, I'm going to introduce something called the uh, that I'm calling the evidence index, which um, goes some way to filling in the the gaps between um, being an a, an artist and being an archaeologist, and what it is that, uh, that's being conveyed, what it is that's being communicated. Uh, um with with that evidence um i'll i'll, I'll come to that uh, a little later on but i would like to start with the um uh the project all of these things loosely fits together um, let me tell you then a little bit about the uh sleeves project does anyone recognize this this image i don't really mean um my head and the t- the title but um I'm, I'm now regarding um, the, the new David Bowie album graphics as being iconic, as being something that's um, been around a lot longer than the, the few weeks or th- uh, three months, I think, that it's actually be a, been around. So this is my effort to uh, create a pastiche or a parody, if you like, of um, uh, the uh, David Bowie sleeve uh, which I'll I'll talk about a uh, a little bit more uh, in just a few minutes to introduce um the leaves project well in a way this is this is a little bit of archaeology of um examining very closely uh traces of the past but in a in a visual context and this is what Rees-Leaves is it's all about music but it's about the the visual context of music when it when it's sold or consumed so, the the project is looking about how it's been packaged or presented visually, uh, everything that isn't about the music. So, one thing that we never discuss in a uh, um, Leaves club is is the music. We're just talking about everything that's um, uh, um, associated visually with it. And that turns out to be quite a lot. In fact, it might even be a, about as much as the music in, uh, itself. In fact, in some cases, I think people are... Um, even more interested in the the visual side than the uh, the musical side it seems a strange thing sometimes to think of music as having this carrier aesthetic this carrier vehicle uh, or format of a visual identity it certainly never used to um, but there has been a 30 or 40 year period during which music has um, uh, completely changed from how it was presented initially, and uh, it might even be going full circle and um, losing some of the visual identity but for, uh, certainly for a very long time uh, music when it was uh, uh, when, when you would buy it when you would uh, um, uh, uh, um, hear something on the radio and decide you wanted to become the owner of this uh this piece of music would come with a um, Uh, card sleeve and initially that would have been merely to protect the very fragile uh, grooves of the record Um, as the uh, industry as the record label decide realize that they could put more information um, on this protective sleeve the whole genesis of um, uh, the um, uh, graphic design element of uh, record sleeves began, and there are some uh, classic. It's um, uh, a little bit off the but never mind. Some classic uh, images that uh, um, are pretty much 20th, 20th century design icons. Um, perhaps even more so than the uh, the music itself. I'm going to take you through and and I'm not going to comment too much on the the images um, uh, here Uh, some of them have been a little bit uh, uh, cut off but I think you get the general impression Uh, just as a visual um, trip through the last 30 or 40 years so we're going back to the 1950s here uh, with um, some of the image this is 1960s And um, I'm sure a lot of these will look very familiar to you. What is happening is that the record label are losing um, uh, um, less uh, control, they're having less control as the rise of the musician uh, unexpectedly in the, the 1950s got to a point where um, there was hero worship, fan worship to an unexpected degree uh, which allowed the, um, the musician to become the controlling element of what the, um, the, the visual identity of the sleeves became. Um, the graphic designers themselves might even become um, approaching star-like uh, um, uh, capacity. I'm going to move through the. I wonder if anyone knows this game of sleeve face, where um, as a fan you could become very involved with the the connection with the um, the fans, uh, the rather the the artists themselves by inserting yourself into a larger context of uh, what might be beyond that um, album graphic. So what would we include in our re-sleeves analysis? Well, I think at its core is surely the, um, the long player uh, album sleeve. I, I don't expect anyone really to have, um, unless there's any hipsters in the, the audience, uh, I don't think I'd expect anybody to uh, still buy um, uh, music in this format. But a vestige associated with the... Um, uh, unless there are, are there any vinyl buyers in the audience? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad there's at least one. Um, but uh, even if you don't um, buy on vinyl or CD, even I don't necessarily expect you to, there's a vestige in the, the square format of the, the, um, the graphic. Um, so if you do uh download your your music from iTunes for example the associated uh, um image even though it's much much smaller than its uh, um original size is still a square and um it need these days it needn't be any any particular shape i think uh, we'll see um a rapid expansion of um what those shapes might be to uh to identify the uh the album. This is um, uh, uh, the, the image that's up at the moment. This is one of my favourite records. This is by Brian Eno, and the album is called "Here Come the uh, the Warm Jets." Um, let's go back to the year. Um, not when it came out. I didn't. Uh, I was only two years old when the album was released but when I was um, about 15 years old I encountered um, I think I was dissatisfied largely with the um, um, music in the um, I was hearing on the radio and did a little bit of research of my own and found a very personal very um, 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 uh, private if you like um, uh, discovery with uh, Brian Eno and Roxy Music especially um, that, uh, that wasn't current and th- it was very difficult to find any information about um, um, this musician. Uh, there was nothing current in the the, um, the music press, uh, or very rarely, certainly nothing on the radio or TV, uh, just the music that I would buy and find in second-hand shops. Um, before the Internet it was very difficult to find any information. And so what I found myself doing was to um, keep going back. Once I'd listened to the music, I would keep going back to the um, the album sleeve, the, uh, um, uh, the the text on the back, which I haven't included here. This is all about the the, um, the front, the cover of the the albums. Um, but I would devour every every element of information on the sleeves and uh, init- to be informed to know what the the um, the message was what was being communicated beyond the the music was there more information that i could get from my from my heroes beyond um, what i was hearing on the, on the record and the more you want to find that information um, things can start, the, the message, the communication from the graphic designer or from the artist can start to go wrong. I kind of imagine, uh, especially with music uh, visuals, that um, something like an arrow is just being shot into the air. So with with other forms of graphic design, with advertising or um, um, some other illustration kind of approach to um, Visual communication. I think of an archer and have, uh, having a target, and the arrow um, either reaching that bullseye or coming quite close to it, because there's a very specific message that needs to be communicated. With um, with album designs, I sometimes uh, picture the the archer just shooting an arrow into the air and not really minding where it lands. Um, because it will hopefully it won't hit anyone and hurt them but it will land near somebody who will feel that the arrow was meant for them or the the whole trajectory rather than being a direct mind to mind experience is um there's there's just something a little skewed about it and i think it's something that's uh, perhaps even unique to, in graphic communication in visual com- communication like this to um, um the um the record sleeve um, the different elements, the different layers that uh, uh, you can find the information on. Certainly the cover, so I, I, all the all the images that we'll be looking at, I think, are uh, just the covers of the albums. But certainly um, um, from about 1967 onwards, um, the back uh, of the cover would start to have visual elements as well rather than just being purely text. Uh, The text might just be um, the song tracks uh, where the album was recorded, perhaps who recorded it, and pretty much that would be at the the end of it. 1967. um, Let's go back to one of the images. I can't believe people don't know this uh, very important uh, release. Um, It was the first album that had uh, the lyrics printed um, with the, uh, the the sleeve um, until then I think people had regarded pop lyrics as being so meaningless or throwaway that there was no point in uh, in writing them down um, there was no real point in presenting the the sleeve as being anything more than just A picture chosen by the studio a photograph at that um, of the artist the the title of the album and the name of the 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 artist why put more than that into it and I think the increase in the unexpected increase in fandom of some of the the um, musicians led to an explosion in design that didn't always come across directly um, the fans in their search for information would come up with their own um interpretation and let's do that let's i'll go through my own experience with it with this album i would look very closely so essentially what we're looking at is um, a mantelpiece in brian eno's london flat and the associated um ephemera of his life, things that had built up that um, might give a clue to his um, his identity, and this is certainly something I wanted to know more about. Um, if you go to your friend's home um, what what's the, if you've not been there before, what's perhaps one of the first things uh, you do when you when you arrive? They're in the kitchen making you a cup of tea. You might browse through their record collection if they have one there. If they don't have that, that's okay. You might look at their um, uh, books. If they've got a, a bookcase, you might get a, a clue, um, a little bit more information about y- your new friend um, f- from this. Or you might look at their ornaments. If there's no books there, you might look at their ornaments just to get a, a picture that extends beyond the person you know from direct contact. And this is exactly what's happening in the, the pictures he- picture here. And this is what I would do. I would look closely very closely at what some of these um elements would be to try and get a um an idea of what the um uh the art what Brian was all about this um uh I apologize for the relatively low um uh resolution of this uh, this image I, I took a photograph of it last night and um I, i'd hoped to do a bit a, a scan instead the scanner stopped uh stopped working but i hope that um, the uh, the picture there is clear enough to see that that is a um, very early 70s style psychedelic um, graphic um, uh, piece of lettering and I think the coloring from this um, appears from the 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 piece of ceramic behind so uh, at the top left of that image is a jug with some colours on it, and that's where the colours come from. I think that's a common enough uh, graphic um, uh, design technique to borrow a colour palette from something in a photograph. Uh, Eno himself appears reflected in a mirror. Certainly not central in the uh, the album sleeve. It's uh, up to the top and the right, um, and the most direct image on here is a photograph um, of uh, so it's a photograph of a photograph I think Eno's deliberately being coy about being um, identified specifically I think this is a challenge that he's um, put to us it might not be but the way I read this is that it might be a a challenge for if we want to get to know him then we have to go through lots of uh, mirror traps and tricks and uh, some false uh... Um, directions before we get to to know him um, i w- became fascinated with some of the objects in the uh... to the left of this this image just here i became um, uh... very interested in what this machine actually did what what could it be uh... closer inspection revealed it was a, a hair dryer and um... Uh, the mystery kind of disappeared a little bit then, but I thought, well, this album is called Here Come, Come the Warm Jets, Here Come the Warm Jets. Maybe that's why the hairdryer is there, a jet of warm air um, uh, coming from that. It might be from something else. A warm jet might not be anything at all. But I thought, I wonder if the sleeve is visually communicating um, some of the song titles. Um, is that clear what well, that is that's a, a packet of cigarettes um uh camel brand uh, a little bit exotic turkish uh blend which would have been eno's favorite slightly pretentious uh, selection but there is an a, a, a track on the album called uh, needles in the camel's eye so which came first the um the that the, the um album uh, sorry the the track title or the cigarettes um it seemed again to fit the, this this uh, this notion that i had that the these were um, song titles being illustrated these are um, dead flowers so going back to the uh, um the album title there are some ceramic um flowers in the middle and some dead flowers hanging um, all around it uh, and so I think it might have shown that he'd been on tour a lot. He'd been on tour with Roxy music and wasn't home to water the flowers. But there is uh, a track on the album called Some of Them Are Old. Maybe that's what the reference there was. Um, That's um, a a, a cigarette uh, ashtray. And there are at least two references to... Um, cigarettes and ashtrays in the lyrics of the the album everything seemed to be coming together and the whole album itself is set in a fireplace so this is a mantelpiece over a, a, a fi- um, surrounding a fireplace and um, one of the standout tracks on the album is called babies on fire maybe a reference to that ultimately I um, I don't know the answer maybe this is um, I've stopped on a uh, um a 1986 illustration that I did myself age 15 while I was doing my O level art uh which was my own fan interpretation of the the track uh Babies on Fire and some of the uh, illustrating some of the lyrical elements of that that song um I'd got to the point where the um the the music and the um associated visuals wasn't enough I, I had to create my own visual identity this was um, um um i think the mark of um the 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 true fan then when they start to create their own fan art associated with the, uh, the the album um at this point i i realized what I wanted to do was to design album art as a living and i think it was the first time that i had had any any notion of a clear direction in what um what my career was could possibly be what i'd be interested in doing i never did it but uh, the the moment of realization was there i think this is something that happens in isolation i think um it's a necessarily um um a, a, an experience removed from a social environment. What I would uh, like the Re sleeves project to become is not merely a um, a memory of um, having done this kind of analysis as um, as teenagers or young uh, young people, um, or even currently, but I, I would like it to become a, a shared experience. Um, one thing that um, uh the i have made a list here of the obvious things that um projects will will look at we will look at the the covers of albums the the back uh sometimes albums would open up as a gatefold um there'd be all sorts of uh um inserts uh associated with the album you might even have a special edition of the album which was on colored vinyl or possibly even a picture disc the label itself in, uh, in the middle of the um, the grooves, sometimes it would just be text. Uh, other times it would be another visual clue that um, uh, was uh, uh, ripe for analysis. Uh, a run-out, uh, scratched message might sometime appear in between the spiral of the, the music and the label. There might be a, a scratched message uh, Orig- originating from the band so not not so much the pressing plant but from the the band or musician themselves and if you found uh, if you discovered that message then that really was such a um, a direct experience um, those messages were so cryptic though they, they it was very difficult to know exactly what, uh, what was intended it might sometimes just be a lyric from the um, the music or sometimes it would be something um, um, less obvious beyond the um, the actual record release there's a whole layer of um, uh, extra visual elements that uh, we're interested in in exploring Um, some of those might be um, uh, the t-shirt or the I think perhaps even more popular now than a t-shirt is the the shopper I I brought my own um um uh, uh this this is what I use as a bag. I don't wear band t-shirts quite so often these days. Does that, is there does, are there any sun fans in the the audience today? Well, they're um very heavy uh American band um who um have been going for about 10 years or so. They they're very much interested in um having a, uh, a strong visual identity on stage, so they wear um hooded um um robes and there's um, a lot of smoke on stage that they're barely visible and this kind of mystique is communicated through their their records as well Um, but to have a a a t-shirt or a bag like that or a badge is a form of um, reaching out for this kind of social experience it's to deliberately identify yourself as being interested in political uh, particular thing uh, a, a particular music thing um, I was interested in why it was that i'd moved away from wearing uh band t shirts or indeed t shirts of any any kind with a, a message on maybe it was because it was too uh much of a an expression to maybe too giving too much away to say I like this band uh maybe it's um, uh, to have something on a a, 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 a a bag a tote bag like that means while well, it's just something that i happen to be using i don't necessarily have a an emotional investment in this thing it's something that i can put it's a utility it's a bag i can put it to one side if i choose to maybe that's something that um um changes with age in fact i'm certain it is but, um, if you wear the any message on your chest or on your heart, then it's a very direct emotional message that you're giving out. let's have a look at some more images of um, some of the, the albums that we'll, we've already discussed we've only had two outings of the podcast um, Reese it's might appear in very different forms um, uh just like its musical counterpart I don't think it should be uh, conf- uh, confined to one format so um the presentation that i'm that i'm working my way through now is uh is one form it can take um the podcast is a, a much easier uh, uh approach because in the podcast similar um design elements and ideas and notions and very personal reflections are um arise but it's as a dialogue so so far in our two episodes um, uh, Rob and myself have been discussing albums that we've uh, we've known for a long time that we've had uh, a shared interest in, and um, uh, uh, finally we've had the opportunity to discuss um, very fine details about some of the uh, the elements that we've noticed over the last thirty years or more um, of uh, playing the the albums and uh, um, being ve- becoming very familiar with the um, The graphic identity suddenly it stops being about um, being in isolation and um, when this happens so when I'm when I'm operating as a historian when I'm um, treating subject matter as a historian um, it sometimes it feels very different to have a story so one one important element and a very current element of uh, um, history at the moment, certainly one that's being funded more than any other in research, is the oral history. The idea that um, anybody's particular experience of a- any um, uh, aspect of um, uh, human life, whether it's leisure, um, um, work, employment, um, or particular episodes. Um, should be recorded that it shouldn't be le- left to disappear and that um, people actually like hearing people's personal stories about the past and um, I, I became very um, excited that there was a, a lost how to explain this a, a kind of a lost or inexpressed um, passion with a lot of people to do with music this visual element of music that wasn't being recorded anywhere if the designer if the uh, the musician or the the graphic artist was um interviewed by the music press um or on tv sometimes um notionally there might be a reference to the um the album art but almost certainly it would be about um personal details about the musician or the songs themselves and the design element, which I really feel is uh, um, um, almost parallel with the music, um, for a lot of people, uh, didn't really have um, uh, an out, an outing. It didn't have a, a platform t- for discussion. Uh, the Reese Leaves project, I really feel, will um, open this uh, this unexplored, largely unexplored area, but, but from a professional um, industry angle. As much as from the fans themselves, so we're inviting. Uh, initially, we're approaching uh, uh, some of our favourite industry um, representatives to talk about their work. Um, um, very recently, we met uh, Jonathan Barnbrook, who's the uh, um, graphic um, artist behind that work, which I will come to in just a moment, and. Um, it's his presentation seemed to address questions that had not been put to him before so a very celebrated graphic uh, designer um, almost on celebrity level Um, but the questions that were put to him were things like you know what sort of a person is David Bowie and the the answer was he's nice he loves his wife Um, he's very excited about the new record boring questions uh, and why ask the graphic designer those questions? Merely that he'd met him. Uh, surely there were more exciting uh, or relevant questions to be asked. And certainly during this presentation, it became apparent that uh, certainly there were many, many unexpected layers behind uh, what seemed to be very simple. Or shall I put the um, the, uh, the album sleeve up itself? And. Um, I think a relatively he had a relatively uh rare opportunity to discuss it um and he's a celebrity well I consider Barnbrook approaching celebrity level and um quite apart from the design discussion I think he um welcomed the opportunity to discuss things that were very close to his heart so this was not merely any client this was um someone that he'd been a fan of since his uh, since his youth um, so another th- uh, thirty-year block or, or more of um, of uh, knowing the artist's work and um, perhaps wanting to do something about becoming closer to him, and suddenly he had the opportunity to to, to, do, to do this. Um, but even if you're not a, a professional graphic designer, um, the Reese Leaves project is interested in in talking to you about your particular um a uh, a relationship with, between um from the from the artist via the uh, graphic designer and sometimes um the studio will have a um a part to play in deciding what the that graphic identity should be to to arriving um as a as a finished form as a record and then um, through your ear, into your mind, and into your soul. I think it's a long journey, and I think it's um, something that... uh, um, I think uh, uh, we have an unexplored uh, um, area here to um, find people's stories. I'm excited about finding what uh, those largely undiscussed um, um, stories and themes... And imaginative interpretations actually will prove to be the background to the image here I think I've already described it as being a twenty first did I say twentieth century I meant to say twenty first century um, iconic image and it's only been with us it's only been in the public realm uh since early january um, I think it's a, a clear communication i so i won't uh, say too much about the the meaning of the um, uh, what it means to have a, a big white obliterating square over um, David Bowie's uh, um, um, former album but it's it certainly resonated strongly with the fans Barnbrook was worried that the fans would react badly to um, their hero being um, obliterated in this way but I think it's formed a lot of um, uh, heartfelt pastiches. So he showed us pictures of um, people with uh, messages on uh, small squares of white paper. It's very easy to do. This is not a difficult parody or a, a affectionate uh, tribute to, to make. Um, but there they were with their, these little um, um, squares stuck to their noses with messages on um, to Barnbrook, saying that they liked, they thought it was a successful image. Some of the other people that we've um, invited to talk might be local musicians. This needn't necessarily be be about Birmingham design, but I'm always looking for a... I think things feel different when they have a local connection. So um, uh, this happened recently that I discovered that the designer of Roxy Music and Brian Eno's flamboyant stage costumes. Uh, proved to be uh, that seem to have i, I don 't necessarily have a picture here to show you but the um they they 'd be covered in ostrich feathers and uh, a, a lot of um uh different colors and imaginative um tailoring uh, and they seem to have dropped out of um, another world rather than anywhere on um in britain certainly uh, and I was amazed recently even just in the last few days to discover that the designer of that um those costumes was a birmingham figure i now feel differently about those costumes and about birmingham uh that the wider context of the uh the whole visual um element uh, um can include that that local history element uh, another local um outlook that we want to approach is swordfish records who have just moved a little bit closer to the uh to the uh university there and now quite near the law courts on Newton Street I think it is um one of the last record shops in the city but they will have a a, a unique uh relationship with um uh records and the the uh, record sleeves um they've always had a very interesting shop window so um a lot of record shop windows will just create a grid in the window that blocks out a lot of light and it it really is just well here are the 25 or 36 uh, records that we've chosen this week as being uh, important um, swordfish always had a different approach and they'd arrange their shop window uh, which was quite a deep you know it might be um, six or eight feet deep with Certainly with records, but also um, box sets, or uh, it might be a, a promotional cutout image, um, uh, or, or or a mug with um, uh, something something on it. But they would kind of curate a um, a display of uh, music ephemera uh, uh, and the, the, the music itself. In a way that I don't think anywhere else in Birmingham was doing. Almost certainly, they've never been interviewed about what their curatorial strategy all those years was. Um, yet it will be there. It would have been a careful selection of knowing what to put in, what would attract attention, um, what would create a sale, what people wanted to see, what would what would cause them to stop and look. Uh, the function of any shop window. Uh, so certainly we would like to um, uh, interview them uh, while they're still around let's hope people continue to buy new and uh, secondhand records sometime and uh, local music um, promoters capsule who um, have a uh, uh, an annual uh, wintertime uh, rock festival in the city let's move on uh, to um, my notional evidence index um one of the one of the lessons i learned from going to the jonathan barnbrook presentation uh, just a few days ago was um people don't like graphs in in uh, presentations it means um i don't i don't think that the graphs necessarily communicate things any better than talking about them so I've created something like a list and I don't think my evidence index should be regarded as being anything scientific or closely analyzed it's just something that um, occurred to me relatively recently that has helped me understand uh, uh, the connection between some of the disparate the different areas that I work in so when I tell people I'm an artist and a historian it um it confuses people why how and why can you be both of those and do you do either of them well so i created this um this scale i created a scale and i think traditionally the these two areas are regarded as being very far apart these are things that are um something is art or science it's um Uh, There might be things like uh, botanical illustration that notionally seem to be uh, in between, but it's not about presenting research. Um, Things are divided into um, provable research as a scientific kind of uh, explanation, or a more spiritual um, uh, means of uh, communicating something. I wanted to put um, myself in that uh, scale as a historian. Uh, where did I put it? I put it closer to science than um, art. If you're a historian, I, I think of the very early um, parts of Birmingham history, uh, the, the medieval times, so around 1300. There aren't all that many documentary, uh, um, uh, there's not much documentation of what uh, what Birmingham was like. But when it does appear, um, there's suddenly an awful lot. Uh, so it's almost like going through, um, being on a train journey and looking out of the window and seeing lots of information or scenery. And then going through a tunnel, that's what Birmingham history is like um so when you do have a, a a document you can say well this is what people were recording in the year 1313 um uh, for example there was a, a very serious fire a very big city wide fire in the year 1313 but that's all that's known about that fire that it was recorded in a uh, legal document no one knows uh, how many homes were affected uh what the costs were how it started who was involved we merely know the year and that it was a big fire. There are gaps to fill. The The reason that I um, uh, um uh, tell you this story is that uh, as a historian, there has to be, there, the, at some point you have to say, well, this is what might have happened during that period. There's no point saying, well, we don't know, so that's the end of that in science that's exactly what you should say if you don't know the answer yet there's no point saying well perhaps it's um uh, without any uh, physical evidence it's better just to wait and say well let's see uh, if we can um wait for more data to come in so that's where i put history uh... because i accept that uh... two things that the documents might not have been accurate uh... and it's very easy to Compare documents from one source with another and come up with inconsistencies So why should we uh, necessarily believe those people? This is true of oral histories as well when people are remembering their early years um, They often Include dreams especially their very earliest um, uh, Memories and it's been something that they've confused with a, um, a memory something that uh, um, a parent or a sibling told them about. And it's been shown later that they couldn't possibly, the incident they're describing happened before their birth. They couldn't possibly know about that. Yet uh, an oral history is a very important part of um, recording history. But we have to accept that it might be wrong and the other the other factor being that yes we do have to fill the gaps with uh, conjecture educated guesses sometimes I put a couple of other things in here I've put um graphic design much further away from needing evidence I haven't put it in the same bracket as art here but I don't think um, those if there's a brief then you have to conform to the brief if the client has said I'd like it to convey this particular feeling or a piece of information then it has to do that and you have to be able to say um, uh, this is how I feel I've satisfied the brief Um, there is an element of proof required I've also put journalism just about in the middle here I think uh, there are different types of um journalism that could create um a lot of problems with my linear scale perhaps it needs another <laughs> axis but I don't want it to be a graph I don't want to start getting into um to graphs with this um but journalism very quickly needs to respond to uh data if a story is breaking um you need to report what's going on for certainly, at one time, the the newspaper that was being printed that night. Uh, these days, you need to be able to create copy for the website later that uh, hour. If you're tweeting about it, then you you need to, to do it uh, instantly, or someone else will get there first. And that's at the expense of weighing up the reality of what uh, uh, what's happening. You haven't got time. Um, there are different there are different time scales in journalism, which is why I put it in the middle. I think it can go either way in terms of uh, providing evidence uh legal issues I've put in uh, closer to science if someone's going to be uh sent to prison, we need a little bit of time to weigh it up what what one, what went on what happened um but not so quickly that it takes up all of all of our time. I've put madness at the top and I've put advertising in there a little further down if anyone is interested in um, particle physics and tries to get a um, a grip of what's happening with um, uh, discoveries recent discoveries too, in subatomic particles it can seem as though uh, those scientists are just not coming up with the, uh, the the reality surely what they're describing can't possibly be real how can something be in two places at the same time uh, my friend told me a a, a a nice story of when she was at um a particle accelerator and in the various offices down the corridors the workers there would just lie with their heads on the floor trying to understand what the machines were telling them was real <laughs> it was it was too difficult to understand so i think it might be possible for this to be a circle rather than a, a, a scale of um the fantasy of art matching the seeming evidence of what our instruments are telling us so th- that list has helped me uh, approach my work as a, a historian or um an a researcher um these are the lyrics to a david bowie song called always crashing in the same car it's one of my favorite bowie songs um why i was in berlin in january this year and um i took the opportunity to so my my preferred means of um conveying information i don't do lectures too often or presentations, but I do guided tours. So I will take people round uh, uh, environments and um, show them things and talk about why I think they are there. Uh, on my visit to Berlin recently, I wanted to extend my interest in uh, David Bowie's um, visual identity or the greater context surrounding his music, and visit places he had um been to or done things. I wanted to visit the location of where this car was always crashing, apparently a real um event. Um he was uh, a a a bit of a, a drug fiend in those days. I think he's cleaned up his act now. But uh, in those days um he would have a, a drug dealer and I think it the, the Uh, what happened was that um, he'd been ripped off by his own uh, drug dealer and he'd rammed this uh, man's car on the public uh, high street um, repeatedly with his uh, Mercedes and um, become a little bit panicked and driven back to his hotel. And the lyric describes how he's going round and round the hotel garage at um, 94 kilometres per hour which is about still very quick <laughs> as a fast speed um, I wanted to visit the the road that that happened and I wanted to visit the um, the hotel to visit the underground garage why did I want to do that is very difficult to explain but I think I f- would feel I imagined I would feel closer to, um, to the music the garage didn't exist um, rainy day that's the road that the crash uh, purportedly took place on I was able to identify that with a little bit of um, uh, um, rock music journalism research and this is the hotel the car that you can see in the lower left that is the car park there is no underground garage what what did what did I expect to find did I feel cheated um, that um, the the journalist hadn't accurately discovered what um, what the reality of that situation was I shouldn't have done I shouldn't have felt cheated um, and I shouldn't have felt that I'd discovered some anomaly in somebody's research because this is pop music this is not um, a, a a claim that's ever intended to be proven so my approach as a historian was unsuited to the subject matter it was still an interesting experience and a valuable uh, journey Um, and knowing the my evidence of it um, uh, it, my index evidence um, uh, my index of evidence sorry uh, I I felt I understood my own role in that uh, piece of research um, a little closely it didn't matter that um, um I'd got it wrong and that the lyric didn't match the reality of Berlin um, Bowie was um, uh, a fan of milk and peppers which is what I was eating for a few days exclusively why well to get closer to the to the experience I was looking for any evidence really and this is something that happens when your mind is tuned to a particular shape or pattern that uh, when it appears by chance it seems to have a a particularly significant meaning for why it's why it's why you've encountered it a message perhaps well this was um, at an exhibition that I went to an art exhibition I don't understand the piece why um, this uh, um, operating system for Windows is the David Bowie uh, edition? I don't know what it does that the um, the usual version doesn't do um, I assume it's going to be better but I don't know why or what the message here is but it became um, oh at the bottom I've noticed there's a message that says uh, including data from the song the man who sold the world by David Bowie uh, 2004 version so I don't know what that means but it certainly went into my uh, a scrapbook of evidence of uh what david bowie's berlin actually was this is a an ironwork detail from the flat the entry to the flat where bowie lived with his friend iggy pop in 1977 this would have been a very familiar homecoming image for bowie what um what impact did it have on his uh... um... life a marginal one but it would have had some notional meaning round the corner is um... unless you're a, a hardcore fan of um... iggy pop you might not know that um his real name is james osterberg so round the corner from the flat that they lived is this uh... flower shop and can you see the grim looking woman challenging me taking this photograph in the doorway I think she's not an Iggy Pop fan and I don't think that she's named her flower shop after um, Iggy Pop even though he lived upstairs from here it's a coincidence but if you're looking for meaning it's very difficult to know what to conclude I haven't concluded anything but it goes into the scrapbook of what um, um the whole experience of moving around the city with that intention means this is how you can uh, get in touch with the project if you're interested um, still walking is my own festival of guided tour or walking experiences and those are to Twitter names that you can uh, contact me or us on if you're interested in anything that I've been talking about. So thanks thanks very much for your attention. Thank you for listening.